Patrick? Yeah? You are the world you have created. And when you cease to exist, this world that you have created will also cease to exist. But for those with the understanding that they're living the last days of the world, death acquires a different meaning. The extinction of all reality is a concept no resignation can encompass. Oh, no. I don't know. Rest in peace to our beloved Cormac McCarthy. Ooh, yeah. Hello, and welcome to the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actress's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. I'm Patrick Remian, and yeah, rest in peace, like, best, uh, yeah, he was the best living writer. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he was. He was a he was a special guy. Welcome to the academy, and you know, heavy start, of course. Yeah. Heavy day, heavy yeah. day. We're recording the day we learned of his passing. Yeah, we go back to our counselor episode. We've made it clear through many an episode, but that one in particular, how big of fans we are of his work. And what I feel though is that it's not some people stating that um, he seemed like a. A bummer of a guy. Or a blue kind of guy. Yeah. And I think he was a serious guy. But I think the like the greatest thing about like bleak or let's call it pessimistic perhaps mm-hmm. works is that they shed light on the light. In a sense. At least for me. Like it helps me understand humanity a bit more the dark side of it and it helps me appreciate the good things too like the beautiful things it serves as a stark juxtaposition that yeah kind of reinvigorates me personally like when you see and you read when you do read about the um you know the depraved the depravity of man and stuff like that the things that were kind of on Cormac's mind with a lot of the texts he wrote it's uh terrifying and it's sad, but then it's also um I don't know. You makes you realize you makes you hug your loved ones a little more. You know what I mean? Like I, I think there the fact that there is like it's a it's a good it's a good reminder that you shouldn't take what you have for granted. Perhaps I think so too. I mean, like I read that when he, he the the big inspiration when he wrote the road is that he had a very young son around the time he wrote The Road, and essentially it was just his fatherhood fears mm. coming out and brought into light with this apocalyptic story. Um, yeah. Well, and that's a beautiful... Like, that book... That, that, that text, I think, proves that, like, Cormac wasn't just, like, a... You know, all his works aren't just like dark voids. Like that's like a so. profound. Yeah, that's like a... that that That's like the, the love between the father and son in that is like a you know, kind of, like, negates I that kind of um, uh, popular belief that he is just, like, this dark he, morass. <laughs> yeah, and I think having an understanding of the darkness I think helps you have a better gauge of the light. Yeah, it will, and, and, it, and it makes the appearance of the light ring true, you know? Like, I, uh, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you could fall into despair very, very easily. But I don't, when I read that, I'm like, wow, like, even in the darkness of this world with all this presented, this one guy showed up 
and wrote these magical words that affect you to yeah. your core and your soul, and they always will. Mm. He's a, like he was a a tried and true like absolute artist and a singular individual, and um, you know the books are gonna live, without oh, question, forever. Uh, and yeah, I, I he is you know if there is such a thing as a canon or whatever. He's a hundred percent part of it. He's mm-hmm. he he's like unique too. I think there aren't. I've yet to read someone. I've, there are people that have a, tried to ape his style, perhaps, yeah. but I don't think like I mean, he's. Yeah, you don't even get that that much. Like, like I don't know anyone who like who writes the with the the stark prose that he writes and his like vocab with his you his esoteric vocabulary. He is just a one of a kind writer. Well, I think the only the only compare the only comp is another one of a kind writer, and it's it's Faulkner, but it's Faulkner yeah. taken to an apocalyptic extreme. Yeah, it's like a hundred percent. It's like yeah. I think though that they 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 still have those same interests in like mm. arch morality, family, yeah. the the fallen, all those kind of things. Um, but yeah, it's a good day to start Blood Meridian if you haven't read it or any of the other books. They're all worthwhile. Yeah. Didn't write a, need- didn't write a book that wasn't worthwhile, and um, or take a look. Take a look at the counselor if you've been waiting since you know. Yeah, read some counts or watch watch. Actually, watch, you watch, could read this. Read, you the, read the script. It's pub- the published screenplay is out there. Yeah, and I honestly, I bet that'd be like a really. You've read the screenplay. Was yeah. it? It's a good. It's a good read, right? Oh, it feels like just one of his works. <laughs> yeah, I don't because um, you know, as as was suggested on that episode, it's like this is not a man who read Save the Cat. <laughs> No, he has like his like that terse staccato dialogue. You know, no one does it like him. The structure's not, you know, there like in that way, and like it's Uh it's, and it's a one way ticket. You know, it's from the start of the movie to the end of the movie. You know, it's a death march, in a way, Mm -hmm. and you know, and I think like it's interesting because I think this week to me this week we've got like life and death or death and life yeah this week let me refer flip that based on release date because <laughs> we're talking about two pictures from ridley scott this week this these are his two films he made after the counselor in direct succession i mean geez louise this these two are uh less than a year apart yeah and i it's crazy <laughs> say what you will i mean it's pretty 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 jaw-dropping like yeah putting the like the scope and size of both these films and, and the subject matter like yeah like you said like death in life it's like one is like mm. uh discomfort gained from absolute knowledge and finding comfort in the unknown is the next mm. one you know what i mean like it's just totally different <laughs> totally mm. different works and, and also like the the second one, even compared to the counselor, or Prometheus, or Exodus, even to me is a work of like incredibly optimistic belief in humans coming together. It's yeah, unreal. It's uh, I said 
it's like it's like kind of like I feel like it's like the capstone of a Obama like that like that specific breed of like like kind of like neoliberal art that came out in that time period. Mm-hmm. At least that was the an, an argument that I'd be willing to make. Like it, it feels like yeah, this is like a movie that takes place in a world where like Hillary Clinton got elected or something or like they and the and the smartest lanyard holders yeah in the world have gotten together to save a like dorky screenwriter yeah we're all hey we're all just people on the the, we're all just sailors on the good ship earth and we're all holding hands we're lanyard to lanyard Mm -hmm. (laughs) i would also i would also say too that one of these movies (laughs) is a very very in his wheelhouse personal picture and one of the other ones i actually until we had this brief text exchange, I actually thought it was his least personal picture that he that we have watched mm. of, of of recent. Like Ridley is like can do whatever he wants. Maybe yeah. maybe since like American Gangster, which did not feel particularly personal. Um, you know, it wasn't really mm. dabbling in too much of his interest. So we're of course talking about 2014's Exodus, Gods and Kings today, and 2015's The Martian. Exodus Gods and Kings is on HBO Max. Ooh. And Max. Can, al- can also be rented. It's also on Blu-ray. I took a look because I was curious because I thought we might have a Kingdom of Heaven situation on our hands. If there was an extended Exodus Gods, there's not. Despite the fact Ridley's on the record saying there is a four-hour version. Ooh. I, God, I, I really want to see this four-hour I do too. Uh, I do man, too. that's like yeah, because we're not, you know, we're not always, uh, you know, extended heads here, but well, with something so, like this, yeah, I think that this one actually feels there's stuff missing. Yes, like you could add <laughs> this could be a more much more. Uh, the Martian, on the other hand, is a slick, well crafted. This happens. This happens. This happens. Kind of movie. Yet that has a Blu-ray extended edition, which I bought and watched. Do I know? what these extra 10 minutes were no no clue i don't know what that you know i have no idea what they added to this movie uh but it can be i don't know if the extended can be but it's everywhere i mean you can rent it it's on blu-ray shockingly not on one of the streaming services right now it seems like dads everywhere liberal dads everywhere are just dying yeah actually it's probably conservative dads like this movie too because they totally feel that they could do it too the um they could survive on mars who's the guy with the um who's the the the, uh the representative with an eye patch oh that's what's his name crenshaw dan dan crenshaw loves this fucking movie he's like 100 yeah he sees himself as like yeah with the part where like matt damon goes i'm freaking iron man you know that dan crenshaw's hooting and hollering uh he's like i would have shit so much on Mars to make so many potatoes, it would have been easy. And I don't, I'm not even a botanist, so I'm that, I'm that good at shitting. You, you know, Matt Matt Damon is a <laughs> dirty lib, so <laughs> yeah, he can't shit. He yeah, he's too much. Shit. He's too <laughs> soy for that. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Oh <laughs> uh, man, although he's like a... Dan Dan Crenshaw is like that weird like reverse soy. He's pseudo. Well, they, they all are. They all yeah. are. They all are soy at the end of the day. Yeah. You no, know? oh, they think they're not. They're soy. Because they're all movie-pilled. No one lives in the real world. Mm, that's very important. I like that. That's you, know, actually, that's... you know who's 
like totally lives in the world of movies yet i do do think lives in the real world is ridley scott <laughs> yeah well he i think he views everything through the lens of a director i truly yeah. do think that like he, he he walks through the world and he goes i could do this better i could direct that better <laughs> i he i guarantee like when he like goes over to like a buddy's house he's rearranging chairs in the living room like he's albert brooks and mother yes yeah. his whole life is just that sketch yeah. He goes into Whole Foods. He's like, "Nah, this should be over here." You're putting the cumin he, in the. Yeah, he <laughs> stares at the drawers in his desk, just pissed off, like that it could be organized better. Like, yes, which is kind of I like that about him. I like I that do he's too. like he, he cares. Well, I, I just don't think he'd be able to accomplish all that he's accomplished without that level of tenacity and that level of discipline. Yeah, which is like Im- insanely impressive. Like and... I just don't. Yeah. Yeah, and that's an issue. So, as we mentioned in our previous Scott Scott episode, he's coming off the counselor. He's coming off of a massive personal tragedy, mm-hmm. um, and yet Ridley Scott, I think, reacts to this both the counselor not being like a critical or a financial hit, his career set career set a career setback or a personal setback. I believe he re- he responds the exact same way. Mm. As he would to a success, which is keep working. Yeah, keep going forward. Keep going forward. So in 2014, we're still a few years past the the mega success. Boy, if you're too young to remember this, these were the days to be alive of Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. Um, <laughs> I remember, yeah, I remember, I remember my synagogue had a meeting about that movie. <laughs> Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. It was a hot button top. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, nothing. It was. I think you know, whatever. Well, I mean, it, I saw it, it the day it came out because yeah. I just knew. It. But it was, you know, not because of any level of faith pure, or anything. It was just pure. It was just pure curiosity. On yeah. What was the deal with this movie? What's the guy from Thin Red Line doing in this movie? Like, getting his ass kicked yeah. for two hours. Yeah, what's what's Bobby Jones up to? Yeah. Yeah, not like it's yeah, it was and I was, it was like it was so it was me and a bunch of like older women. It's like a matinee. That I don't think I I don't think I was working that day. It was like a Friday afternoon or something. <laughs> but um it was, like, wanna, yeah. it was a smash. Right, 100%. Smash success. They, yeah, it's also like a movie that was like, well, it's all in Aramaic, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's all like, that was just crazy. So, like, imagining, like, yeah, like that movie. Well, that was like, like half that. the draw. That was like the drawing point, too. It was like, oh, it's all in the real language. It's bloody as hell. And it's just like. So crazy. It's like, but it's so, like, only one person in Hollywood. Could, who has who had the power, the skill, and the madness to make yeah. that movie? And it's Mel Gibson. There's no yeah. one else. Because no at that time, you have to remember too, Mel Gibson was not canceled yet. Mm, at yeah. that point in time, he was just a little freaky deaky. Yeah, just like kind of an odd bird. He was a bit of a. Seemed like an odd. Still like on the fringes, but he's still like an odd, odd yeah. guy. I mean, a weird he, guy. He wasn't like hugely removed 
from Signs, which was a massive success. Like, yeah. Like, what's that movie? Uh, the Conspiracy? Is it uh, like it's literally called like Conspiracy or conspiracy something? Conspiracy Theory. With Richard yeah. Donner movie from the <laughs> yeah. 90s with Julia Roberts, which he was well cast in. Um, yeah. <laughs> that might be a documentary. Yeah. Right guy for the job. But um, such a massive success. And so. Yeah. <laughs> Hollywood. That's kind of, I think, where this movie comes from. Hollywood has Bible fever. Yes. I don't feel someone should just make a religious movie. I feel that most of the successful religious movies over the course of Hollywood or anywhere, of course, cinema, have come from people who have like Vision. deep, deep thoughts or dreams or guilt or what have you yeah mania you know, i mean we're talking the like martin scorsese's of the world we're talking the robert bressons of the world um cecil b demille even um going all the way back yeah that was the og the, the og yeah. the og of this world I, I, uh, my family my family watched 10 commandments every passover i saw it in high school yeah, my Catholic high school. <laughs> like, it's a, it's like a, it's one of those. It's so funny. It's like that movie and uh, it's a wonderful life. I feel like those are like the two holiday movies in my brain for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, but um, mm-hmm. but I mean, I think it's either like or even like somebody is like fringy as Abel Ferrara. Oh yeah. Um, like it's it's it should either be like, frankly, like a religious movie <laughs> in praise of whatever religion you're making this movie about mm-hmm. those work like just sing to the true believers or a really deeply personal statement on struggle mm-hmm. with how you feel about religion uh the next one that came out next big religious one i mean there's obviously always these like wild like kurt cameron type movies oh yeah like surviving the, christmas or yeah, christmas or, with a capital c yeah like the saving Christmas from the woke mob, or you know. Oh, sorry, surviving Christmas is like the. Uh... That's like Ben Affleck or something. Yeah, it's like Ben Affleck. Yeah. I was thinking of a turn. Like, that'd be really funny if I watched that. If we watched that movie, and that was actually like a deeply religious yeah. pondering. Like, yeah, like Ben Affleck and uh, was it James Gandolfini? I think that's really. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Good, yeah. Good cast. Yeah. Good cast. Uh, but the but yeah, there's obviously there's an entire niche market of like deeply like right wing. Mm-hmm. Christian movies that do surprisingly okay business. Oh um, yeah, they find they found their market but, and they appeal to it. But it's very niche. It's not not going to be a blockbuster or anything like that. Usually, yeah. the blockbusters it's trying to build out, you know, like it, it the um, spectacle mm-hmm. elements of religious pictures, uh, which namely, you know, the next big one that came out was. Um, Darren Aronofsky's film Noah, mm. um, which came out 2014 as well. So, or t- pardon me, um, yeah, 2014, same year as Exodus, which definitely to me is like screams. These are all in response. We can get the Christian audience, but not too Christian as well. Mm, <laughs> like, no, 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 we gotta appeal to everybody. Gotta appeal to everyone. So it's like. Russell Crowe just barking orders at those animals. Get on the damn ark. Cheap <laughs> <laughs> gazelles. But it had like um, you know, kind of it was a big scale sci-fi elements. It was a 
biggest movie Aronofsky, oh. big movie, biggest movie Aronofsky's ever made too, in terms of just size and blockbuster. Very interesting movie. Um, yeah, not well, not well received by the Christians. No. Well, it's like when you, you know, when angels are depicted as insane, like, rock creatures. Like, and, yeah. Like, it is like, watching that movie is like, it's a wild film. It's yeah. like, a, and it's not a, and it's not satisfying. It's such an, like, when you see, like, Logan, you know, spoiler alert for all, spoiler alert for Noah, you should, okay, guys, don't worry. You know, Noah's been around a while, you know the tale. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but, like, uh, when Ham is just walking into the... Into the unknown, Logan Lerman. He's just like, well, I'm gonna. I guess I'm just gonna like die alone. I don't know. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's an interesting movie, but I think it's interesting because it's like it's clearly in line with like going back to Aronofsky with the Fountain. Mm-hmm. Like he's very, very interested in this mystical. Who are we? What are we? Kind right. of thing. I mean, even the whale ends goes to the ecstatic mm. in, in its ending which is oh, the only yeah. way which is actually yeah. the, only, the only way you could end of that movie <laughs> if you ask yeah. me <laughs> you, yeah, had, yeah. you had to you had to go pretty big <laughs> yeah yeah he's not yeah yeah well aronofsky's not a subtle filmmaker no you don't have to be to be a good artist but he's not he's a you know madman in the yeah, in the best possible way exactly um but yeah, so like Bible Tent was hot. Yeah, Bible Mania. By people at Bible Mania. But I think <laughs> that they didn't realize Noah and then with the one we're going to talk about in a moment is that um, the country was becoming more segregated than ever when it came to this kind of thing. Yeah. Casual Being casually religious is not not too common these days. Like, you're either all in or you're kind of all out. It is kind of crazy, like... Especially among young people who go to movies. Well, I think about, too, like, I I was watching, like, um, some old episodes of The Simpsons recently, and I forget, like, how in, like, the first, like, eight seasons, like, how so much of that show takes place at, like, church. Yeah. And that's like four. I have a feeling that's like foreign to most kids nowadays. Like, like I don't know. Did your family go to church uh, every um, Sunday? Or? Oh, we had we had a very the um well not to get too personal, but um there were attempts. Mm. Same, <laughs> see, same, hey, same with my words. Like, I feel like you'd have like. <laughs> didn't stick like, <laughs> exactly like with my family it's the same thing too with like i feel like we had there were times in my life where my you know my parents were like yeah let's eat turkey bacon instead of regular bacon or let's uh let's try to go to shabbat every friday or something I, and it I, would last like you know maybe yeah. like four months or something and then it would kind of like you know die down was, for whatever reason thing like the church scene mm. it's not not my scene like hey just, dude uh, like i i don't know like it's one of those things like i have real trouble like giving in to like group like behavior like i think even like going back to like what we've talked about like 
some of the cults we've been involved in, like UCB or CrossFit, <laughs> yeah. or CrossFit for me, or something like that. Like, you can't, you're, like, your feet are close to the pond, you try your best, but at the same time, it's like, I don't really want to buy, like, a bunch of CrossFit shirts. Oh, I don't want to, yeah. like, I don't want to, like, just hang out in the inner sanctum nonstop or like one of those places yeah. you know i don't want to work here for nothing like yeah like i don't want like to define your life on a group to me is just not my thing yeah finding and then especially when and it's interesting too because like nowadays like because of that lack of religion in most people's lives there's more defining yourself via like yeah ucb or crossfit now more than ever everyone's trying to fill that hole there's like a hole oh, yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah the because... hole of like and it's like and it's like i think like people need to be comfortable you know maybe there's no hole you know what i mean well, maybe you I don't think need that's it, you why know? um <laughs> i mean they're always a hot button issue but identity politics have become like the only issue Mm-hmm. Is because people aren't identifying themselves as like Christian or Catholic or Jewish or whatever. They're identifying themselves as Democrats or church going Republicans or anti woke yeah. or, you know. Yeah. Or, or, or like Marvel fan or, or Lego Mar- yes. maker or that's yeah. the thing. Those it's... are religions as well. Star Wars, any of that stuff is. Oh, also, and like, you, you. Adults you... who dress like Harry Potter and go to the theme park and like ropes and stuff like that. Like that is all <laughs> there. Yeah. Or like in the Martian, like uh, science specifically, that really annoying. Uh, I love freaking science type of well, science. <laughs> the, the Martian is also like, this is like a, such a prelude to like, like facts before fake news, kind of like liberals, oh, like liberal, like trying to like say actually the actually crowd trying to win out over a group that would not listen to the actually crowd ever again. Yeah, well, this is like, yeah, this is like the I freaking love science crowd. Mm-hmm. Which would then, like, yeah, morph into that, turn into the 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 the, uh, the Pokio adherent, Pinocchio adherent, mm-hmm. like, the, yeah, the the uh, oh god, yeah, that whole like, cause it's like it's so funny too, cause it's not like a, it's not like Richard Dawkins, it's not like that type of or Christopher Hitchens, that type of like like, no, it's and... it's more like the um, MSNBC. We mm-hmm. have a smoking gun, and this, Mr. Trump, how dare you, sir? And we're going to change the minds of everyone who follows you with this piece of paper that states facts, which are true. Mm-hmm. They are facts real. Facts are true. Yeah. I mean, it's not lying. Like, no. The guy is a liar and a crook. <laughs> so, I sent you that. Uh, did you see that tweet I sent you? Yeah. The, the <laughs> indicted, where he's just like, uh, Trump is just a cartoon of a man. He's just a silly little cartoon. He's I mean, he's like a he's a Cartman or something. It's insane. Yeah, but I mean, but that's the same thing we're talking about. It's like the religion, <laughs> the religion of him. Yeah, because they treat him like a deity. Yeah, the cult of Cartman. Yeah, but it's a, but there's no real difference than like, I mean, uh, like it never put never ever like as we get into Exodus here. Don't worship those false gods. These politicians, whatever side you're on, they are not worth worshiping, no matter what side you're on. 
Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, you could be praying to Horace. You could be uh, talking to a little kid who don't, may or may not be a... Yeah. Don't base your personality on Donald Trump or Elizabeth Warren or Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders even. Like, don't. Oh, man. Yeah. Like work, it's, work on you. <laughs> like, work yeah. on you. Work yeah. on you. Life is yeah. life is extraordinarily short, as Cormac McCarthy would tell us many, yeah. many, 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 many times. Um, but uh, like we were saying, religious tent is hot. Yeah. And 20th Century Fox wants to do. They're gonna do the Ten Commandments, but they're gonna do it the right way with all the cool modern tech and <laughs> shit like that. And they're gonna throw a. They're just gonna throw a boatload of money at it oh, and yeah. um but in a very very savvy move mm. is that um they just they go to ridley scott because oh yeah if anyone has got like the tools the experience i mean that you know it's not going to be amateur hour no with ridley scott no 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 picture uh so by t- june of 2012 he announced actually he wanted to adapt the book of exodus tentatively titled moses which i don't like the title of this movie i think it's oh. wordy i think it's way yeah. too wordy exodus gods and kings yeah it's a little um yeah it's very it kind of has like a weird like national treasure book of secrets like it feels too like it's below this type of uh, well, yeah it feels, yeah it feels like harry potter or something yeah, because it's know. like, yeah, it's like, imagine if, like, Napoleon was called Napoleon Quest of Victory or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it cheapens it. It cheapens it, it a I think bit. it does, too. Yeah. I think that, obviously, there's a massively famous novel called Exodus. Um, and there was Oh, yeah, the... Yeah. Is it Leon Uris, I think. Is yeah, that, that is yeah. Leon Uris, yeah. Mm, um, yeah. And there was a movie with Paul Newman that they made. Yeah, well, and, that's a different movie. I think that's it. about, like, uh, like... I thought it was based on that book. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah, well, that's like a... Not a Moses oh, okay. story. Yeah, not a Moses. That's think... exactly what I was trying to say. Yeah, you're right. You're 100% right, yeah. That'd be so but, weird. I mean, but I actually, like, based on this conversation alone, don't think modern audiences would have blinked at another movie called Exodus. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. But somehow it became Exodus, Gods, and Kings, and they continued onward. Ridley's goal for this picture is realism like mm. how did it happen how would the red parting of the red sea actually happen? <laughs> it's gonna science the shit out of it yeah it is such a i love there is like that stra- that strain of like it gotta science it. it has to be like they have to do it in the most believable fashion and- Really strolling into early interviews saying, looking to natural causes for the miracles, including drainage from a tsunami for the parting of the Red Sea. Obviously, um, this kind of talk puts the um, religious folks a bit on edge. Oh, yeah. Um, And then um, Christian Bale is cast in the lead role as Moses. Mm. Now, um, Christian Bale clearly fits the... um, Russell Crowe, Michael Fassbender, Bill of a Ridley yeah. Scott man. Yeah. Um, so this is no surprise, despite the fact that, you know, Christian Bale is a Welsh actor mm. with no Middle Eastern descent. 
But <laughs> as things progress, that's actually the least of their worries in the casting department. <laughs> and, you know, to tear that bandaid off quickly here, you know, Ridley Scott did say we can't get $200 million without major movie stars. Then I'm kind of say don't make the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, um, you know, I think he has like that. Um, yeah. It's a different. And- and I say that as someone who's like, I am not a hardliner on casting. Mm-hmm. I could be, you know, I think that if you have a interesting argument or perspective or new details that I'm not aware of, I'm yeah. willing to listen to mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm not a hardliner, but this movie has some interesting casting. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, but Christian Bale's cast is Moses, and uh, he starts doing some methody stuff and reading up on it. And um, he just tells the press, I think the man was likely schizophrenic and one of the most barbaric individuals I've ever read about in my life. Way to go. Well, Dave. it's like, yeah. All of that from a skeptical historical point of view. Mm-hmm feels like solid info solid intel um but if you are a true believer if you take these things literally this is a troubling sign yeah this movie movie will not be the passion of the christ this movie will not be fireproof with kirk cameron (laughs) yeah it's kind of like uh when uh zack snyder took the reins on superman and superman became like this dour, like evil, yeah. like yeah, it's like there is like this sense of like, uh, like, mm, like, like, and so the CEO of Faith Driven Consumer, Chris Stone. Yeah. <laughs> Jury, are you a subscriber to a Faith Driven Consumer? <laughs> ah, actually, I'm a, I'm a writer for it. Uh, no, you, you imagine basing like your life on some dogma, thus, like if a soda goes against you beliefs these Uh, these bud light and target psychos like it's just i can't believe they're still hanging on to it it's really i can't believe they haven't forgotten already like yeah this is the hill that you're like sticking on this is this is where your long-term memory lies or the Chick-fil-A hate, like the people that are like, because like Chick-fil-A hired like a diversity <laughs> manager, like it's, because Chick-fil-A wanted to be like slightly more tolerant. Like, don't worry, Chick-fil-A is still donating all the time to terrible causes. Don't worry. Yeah, about it. don't worry. Like you can't. It's so it's um it's wild. It, but, well, it's um, wild that like it's it's yeah, it's they're they have it now they're doing uh it's crazy it's just funny world funny world what a, how exhausting must that life be yeah anyway uh, chris stone criticized christian bale's comments he said there's nothing in biblical history that supports that it's an indication that there will be tremendous disconnect. i'm sorry i have to read it like that tremendous disconnect between bale's interpretation and the expect- expectations of the market and he oh, suggested his christians would not go to see the film but they charged ahead with this massive production. They're going to get it right. They're going to throw it all at it. This movie ended up costing somewhere between 140 and $200 million to make. It's on the, insane. It's on the screen, though, folks. Yeah. So the rest, oh, for of, sure. the rest of the cast is filled out. Um, the great Joel Edgerton is cast in the role of Ramses, which drew a lot of um, 
criticisms, especially once images of Joel Edgerton were released, because he's doing a whole Yule Brenner thing. Oh yeah, with he, eyeliner he's, and stuff. He's going, he's going <laughs> full Yule. He's going yeah. full Yule for sure. <laughs> oh man, Yule Brenner and whips. It does, and but it's unfortunate because I th- I think um, Joel Edgerton is such a strong actor, and he puts in a very soulful complicated performance here but the surface level the visual and his even his accent that he's trying are distracting at best off putting at worst yeah that's a great way of putting it it's funny because like yeah like it's not even like his accent it's not like he's trying to do like an i think he's just i think he's, he's trying like to do the, the classical british thing if it's well, a history, if it's a history movie, do British, but he's obviously he's on, he's an Australian actor. Well, if we're talking about unexpected British accents, there's another actor. Okay, next up, get... playing yeah. the father of Joel Edgerton, and I mean, if you you're looking down casting list, you're thinking, hey, we're a show, we celebrate actors, we love actors, we love them, we love actors. So you're like, who's gonna play Seti the first? Yeah, I mean, who yeah. we got here, Mark who's Strong? Who we got here? Mark Strong, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe a little young. Yeah. Oh, maybe oh. Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh. A little young still. I don't know. So yeah, too young, too young. young. We well, you got to get a really good character actor, a really good supporting character actor, mm-hmm. who is who's absolutely not known for playing mostly city bound people. Like, let's get him out of the city. Yeah, let's get, hmm, let's yeah, get. Yeah, let's take. Let's get this guy. Hmm, well, you know, Steve Buscemi is he on, is he on tap now? Nah, he's well, he was he's doing boardwalk. He was probably the second choice. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> playing the father of Joel Edgerton is, of course, the nat- everyone's natural choice. John Turturro. Oh, um, so wild. Very wild because, I mean, like, was Liam Neeson busy? Like. That, yeah. <laughs> like, it is just like, and it's just he, like, all the love in the world, mm-hmm. the John Turturro. One of the best love actors. Our, I love him. Yeah, great guy. Yeah. You could do a bracket about him. That many great roles. But like mm-hmm. uh he has uh he has city face. He is <laughs> he is a guy who is like uh he looks like he belongs in the world of Miller's Crossing. It's it's hard to figure him ever having left one of the five boroughs. We'll give yes. him that he's been to each of those yes but beyond that we're not quite certain about his travels <laughs> like uh, I, by the way if you don't know what the five boroughs are yeah. you just go on youtube look up gaudy yeah Stacey look up the gaudy film, <laughs> yeah. the gaudy film. It, it explains it pretty well yeah. um yeah he sticks out like a sore thumb but he's a great actor yes yeah. one of the issues is like every one of these people are great actors mm-hmm. but didn't stop me from texting my brother and suggesting that Ridley Scott drank a whole bottle of cough syrup before making these capsule decisions. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, had a, had a had a date with Nyquil. <laughs> like he uh, he just uh, drank a whole no, bottle. No, I I swear, I think he like he drank two bottles of Nyquil and then fell asleep doing like binging Breaking Bad, and that's where the way we ended up with this movie. <laughs> like, yeah, like for real, like. It's it almost just stunning. Like, it's almost stunning. Mike from Breaking Bad isn't like one of Moses's goons or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a guy named Rex. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing here? I don't know. <laughs> I'm the enforcer. I guess this is Egypt land. 
but it yeah gets stranger from there. Um, fourth, uh, oh, where do you want to go from here? How about um, mom to yeah Joe Edgerton, wife to John Turturro. Oh, naturally, it's returning from Alien, Sigourney Weaver in a yeah. um, reunion. You know, she makes she's, an impact. She's yeah. briefly in the film, and she she gets like three minutes or something. She's good in it. She's <laughs> oh, not well. like. Obviously, I mean, even more so than Alien, we're forgetting 1492, The Conquest of Paradise. Oh, yeah, well. she also factors into that, yeah. Hey, strong, hey, strong girl boss type, Cena Queen. <laughs> yeah. Um, also in the cast is, you know, Ben Kingsley playing the role of Nun. Um, ben who's Kingsley like, is Nun. Surprisingly, like, he does, like, he has this, like, entire vibe, like, this is two guys, two non-Bible heads. Like, yeah. like, keep like killed in the second act to like lead the third act. But he's like standing there at the Red Sea at the end of yeah. it. He's like, I'm here. I'm going. Well, <laughs> like, what's also interesting I, is he I made it. <laughs> he gives off the vibe of like the guy who like will like introduce Christian, but he's like almost like he'd be yeah. like he'll be like the like the the Morpheus or like the guy who like yeah. gives. But then, like, he just, like, kind of melts into the background to, like, yeah. a lot of characters in this movie, actually. It really and is. This yeah. does give that feel of, like, cutting room floor for a lot of these characters. Like, that there is more. And Ridley Scott has said, like we mentioned earlier, there's supposedly a four-hour version of this movie. That uh, the, if two and a half hours of Exodus, Gods, and Kings just wasn't enough for you, as it was not enough for Patrick mm-hmm. and I, Ridley, you're holding back on it. You rarely I, hold. you Ridley. You rarely hold back on us when it comes to a director's cut or an extended version. This is my Snyder cut. I want to yeah. see the. I want to see the Scott uh, cut of Exodus. We've um, we've put all the budget from this show, which is just kind of money we have on hand. There is no budget for this show. It's my savings account. It's yeah. My savings account. But we've bought some billboards in the Los Angeles area, not in like neighborhood, like Deep Valley. We couldn't afford like the good billboards. Yeah, so we're like in, yeah, we're like in deepest uh, Studio City. Yeah. <laughs> we're in, we're in a very neglected portion of Van Nuys. Yeah, and demanding release that cut from two yeah. fellows who want to see it. Um, I also, I just want to say too. I also made oh, yeah. some post. I printed out some posters. Um, like uh, remember when the Eternals had all their posters? Like mm-hmm. Kumail Nanjiani is Kango. I have a bunch of like just like Christian Bale is Moses. Owen Bremer <laughs> is expert. Owen <laughs> Bremer is expert. Ben Kingsley is none. None. John Turturro <laughs> is Seti. Aaron Paul is Joshua. Thank you. Okay, next up. Speaking of a Breaking Bad binge watch. God, um, yeah. Aaron Paul is wearing like, like I think the same beard Bob Odenkirk used when he played Manson on the Ben Stiller show. Manson esque smiles. It's, it's but it's also like you could practically see the spirit gum holding the beard on his. It is just like like an early '90s, not SNL. Like they don't have the money SNL has. It's like it's like that's like living color money or like Ben Stiller show money. He looks like Will Ferrell when he's in that like uh, the Lovers, um, that you know the hot tub. Oh yeah, sketch that 
Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon can't survive without laughing because <laughs> it is very funny. But um, but yeah, it's just um, yeah, I don't think Aaron Paul has got the hair follicles or the hair the head follicles yeah. <laughs> at this point to go with the full long hair and beard he's got in this. So he looks a little funny, and I think I didn't realize how. Um, and no offense, I'm not the tallest guy in the world. Like he seems short compared to like Christian Bale and stuff like that. Yeah, he's like a he's like a small scrap. Like he there's he has some like Smeagol energy in this. Initially. He does. And Very, this, yeah. So this was a major year for Aaron Paul. This was the year he um tried to he kind of like cashed in his mm. chips and like let's see if Aaron Paul's a movie star. Oh yeah, Need for Speed. Because Need for Speed came out this year too. Turned out, God bless him. He's not Christian Bale. Yeah, he didn't, we didn't. <laughs> hey, we didn't need that speed. Yeah, we just, speed was um, reje- rejected. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I kept thinking that like I was like when the I saw the preview to Neil Blomkamp's Gran Turismo and I was like, oh they're doing a need for speed. And it was all I'm like I don't know what the hell any of this is. <laughs> like, that's um, crazy. That's a movie but that's but I yeah. will see that movie, unfortunately. Aaron Paul plays Joshua, who is a um ally of Moses whose job it. seems to be just to kind of snoop. And like be like third in command. Um, he's so he like he's always peeking around the corner. He's yeah, he's doing a little peeking. Um, in one of the funnest performances of the movie, Ben Mendelsohn, yes, an Animal Kingdom actor along with Joel Edgerton, plays Roy, uh, plays Viceroy Hegep, um, who is the corrupt like slave runner, basically. Yeah. Um, ben. <laughs> Much like Joel, lathered in tan and um, uh, eyeliner, which doesn't. I just yeah, just uh, the hand raise emoji. Like, yep. <laughs> and like we said, these are all really good actors. Oh yeah, uh, doubtful anyone would really want to, you know. I was gonna say they wouldn't want to go down this road again. It's not that they would not want to go down this road again for any like moral reason. They would want to go down this road again because they wouldn't want to deal with the internet yelling at them about this. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird. Yeah, it is like one of those things where like yeah, it's uh, it's just yeah. I think yeah, too much of a hassle. It would not be fun. It would not be fun being someone in this movie nowadays. For that, probably yeah. wasn't fun in the in the moment for sure. I don't know. Um, I don't know if you caught um, Gol uh, Gol Farahani. Oh yeah, played, Body of Lies uh, from Body of Lies played Neferti, uh, Nef Nefertari. Pardon me. Mm. Um, playing the role of Moses's wife, Sapora is Maria Valverde. A oh. um, she is a Spanish actress from Madrid, Spain. And you know who she is married to? Right, this blew my mind. Gustavo. Dudamel, the comp- the um, the uh, the conductor guy who's all over Los Angeles. The, oh, you know, you know the guy. Oh. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just very that guy. And, all right. Yeah, 
Interesting, hey. po- interesting power couple. Also, interesting. one thing about that guy, born in 1981. He's hella what? young. Damn. <laughs> yeah, very successful. So hats off to you, Gustavo. Yeah, make, making, making Tar nervous. I know. Yeah. Making Tar real nervous. Yeah. Yeah. See, she, you know she's planning her comeback in Thailand <laughs> right now. Yeah, <laughs> sitting around. You, I will destroy you, Gustavo. Um... Also in the cast is uh, the aforementioned Owen Bremer, who oh. shows up as like I don't even know how he got in to the royal chambers to try and talk well, them to like things or things. All is well. <laughs> love this character. One of my favorite. Explain what's going on with the plagues, and it's just like ins- I was like I I double I spit take what I saw. I was like whoa him. He's like twirling. It's weird. He's got a, like Same a ponytail. Brain. Like it's just wild. And he's like, I love that. Like there's like this like in the middle of this like you know serious kind of you know attempting to be realistic interpretation of a biblical epic is this like guy who feels very modern. Like this is not yeah. a type of person who existed back it's... in ancient Egypt. Like the epic science guy trying to explain no. everything. Well, no, it's like that Mr. Show sketch. When, and then we drowned the wizard. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my God. Science. I love that sketch. Yeah. <laughs> I love that sketch. The Barrow. Brought to you by Barrows. Now with wheels. <laughs> um, And the other actress I wanted to mention was um, Indira Varma. Who oh, plays great the actor. high priestess. <laughs> also, oh, is another like, so it goes to show like, Everyone thinks it's new with Trump having all these like weird hanger on type mm-hmm. people who are like quote unquote advisors. Consultants. Yeah. Apparently advisors. it goes all the way back to the Egyptian times. So I love no, that. No I biggie. Love... There's always been some freaking con artist trying to weasel their way into a few extra uh, bucks. <laughs> like... Yeah. From like, yeah, from this ancient uh egyptian uh you know priestess to rasputin to you know yeah. whatever lunatic is glomming himself onto trump or biden yep it's it's a, as long as there's cash flowing yeah they'll come around they, yeah they'll come around boy uh so the movie opens uh we meet moses and ramses uh, they are basically surrogate brothers the best pals they're going oh, yeah. on a, they're going on a mission together and this is like really Scott 101. Yeah. John Turturro say clearly respects his not real son, Moses, yeah. way more than Ramsey's. Oh, yeah. This is very, we, folks, we saw it in Gladiator. Mm-hmm. To a T. <laughs> this is oh, being, almost the exact same thing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. It is just like, <laughs> yeah. They go into battle. Ramsey's is okay. Guess who's really awesome in battle? Surprise, Moses. surprise. It's Moses. He saves Ramses. But they don't really want to talk about how Ramses wasn't that good in battle, so they like slough it off. But then mm-hmm. John Turturro, like we don't get a lot of John. He's only in about a half hour and he gets sick. Mm-hmm. He's dead. He's a mummy. He's yeah. a mummy. Uh, <laughs> oh, that... look out. It was scary. <laughs> uh, every time every time an ancient Egyptian official dies, you're afraid because he's a mummy now. <laughs> um and simultaneously, um well, right before he passes, he sent he wants to send 
Ramses to go visit with the Viceroy and look into like murmurs of uprising among the slave among the Hebrew slaves. Uh Ramses is like way too interested in like getting a suntan and eating grapes. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like... Just having dates, you know, just eating yeah. a lot of dates. <laughs> yeah. So Moses, because he's the good son, goes. Yeah. And when he's there, he goes to meet with the people and meets Ben Kingsley's nun, who basically states like a level of like prophecy, like a year actually, this is who you actually are. Mm. Which is the he is a he is actually Hebrew himself. Mm -hmm. Um which uh, spooks Moses, put it that yeah. way. It's, yeah, scares scares him so much that he like kills two guards. <laughs> like pretty, yeah. like it's so nonchalant the death of these. Yeah, but um, I guess they this... thought he was like a, an Israelite, and so he was defending himself. I don't know. But Ben Mendelssohn's viceroy gets wind of this, and Moses is not very nice to the viceroy. He's bully bullies him hard. Like yeah, this, but this... rightfully so. Yeah, he's a, this, he's, a, he's a real stinker. He's a real. He's a. He's like a. He's a. He's a wastrel. He's like the. Yeah. He's the. He's a wastrel nouveau Thief. riche. Yeah. Thief. He has none of the honor of Moses. No. Uh, but once John Turturro dies, Sigourney Weaver, and into the wonderfully conflicted Joel Edgerton, have to make a decision because the news is out about Moses and his background. Yeah. Ooh. And um. Sigourney pushes for death, but Joel Edgerton uh, goes with exile. Yeah, um, it's it's a real like, yeah, it's interesting. It's a good like, yeah, that, I like there is something the idea of like looking at this uh, ancient religious tome in like a political lens mm -hmm. through a political lens is like very fascinating you don't see a lot of that in that movie but that one like flash of it was interesting to me it felt very like a, like a game of thrones moment or moment or whatever so uh he's exiled uh he gets uh left with a sword um mm -hmm. i really liked that i actually yeah. really dug the sword like that's actually his sword that they're get seti gives them each a sword and they look at him and joel Edgerton's like actually i think this is his and christian bale's like i think that's his because no you hold your brother's sword. I like good. it. Good. good. I like it. Yep. Nice little touch. Yep. Nice little touch. Um. It's so he's nice. in ex he's in exile. He goes. He meets a wife. He goes on yeah. some travels. But then he he has a kid. Nine years Nurse later. Him. Nine years pass. Mm -hmm. And he decides to take a walk up a mountain that he shouldn't walk up. Don't do that. No. <laughs> God said no. Well, mudslide. And in a yeah. truly baffling but fascinating sequence, Christian Bale's head is like <laughs> smiling through the mud, just his little face. Yeah, it's so, it is wild. And a bald little child arrives to give him a prophecy. This bald little child, it's assumed, is um, God. Yeah, or at least a, a messenger. Yeah, to get the I'm doing a bowling motion to get the ball rolling for Moses. And Moses begins regularly talking with God. And Moses gets in mind, I'm going to go. I got to go back to Egypt, take care of business and free all of the Hebrew slaves. Okay, so you know the story from <laughs> this point yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> Most of you probably do. He yeah, does. Come on. He yeah. goes in, battles emerge, Ramses gets um, upset, 
they try a whole bunch of different things themselves to get them to give in. It doesn't really work. They're kind of doing they're This is a battle of inches, not. And God gets a little impatient, basically. I love like, yeah, it's so fascinating that like, because like Christian Bale's character, what is so fascinating about this interpretation of Moses is he's such a pragmatist and he's like, OK, mm -hmm. look. This is like, we want to be free. It's going to take a generation. Like, this is just how these sort of things work. I have experience and, in this world. I've seen this happen as someone in this position I was once in. <laughs> and the, this is not a patient god. No. Um, it's like, the, yeah. the plagues are unleashed, and this is where he really gets to spend his money in a big way. All of the biblical plagues look amazing. They're scary. They're, oh, it's cool. They're It's good. It's really it's, good. It's like the most, it's like the best and like fun is fun. Maybe is the wrong term, but it's like crazy. It's wild to watch. Like, yeah, you get them, you get them all too, folks. Yo, you, oh, and you name it. You, you want the plagues, you get the plagues um, culminating in the, you know, the scariest one for any parent, the, you know, unless you put um, lamb's blood on your doorway, your firstborn dies. Yeah, truly the most, that was the most, because that's like truly the one plague of all of them. I feel like he, he tries to keep one foot in reality as much as he can. Like, uh -huh. it feels I, like. I think like Ramses is like, I don't give a shit about bugs. Send send the bugs. But then the yeah. second, second, like, kids start dying. It's not, not as easy to take. I don't know. And that includes Ramses' son. Which yeah. is a heartbreaking scene, and he gets mummied. Ooh, yeah, his son. Ah. <laughs> little uh, mummy baby. Ah. And Ramses is devastated. And again, Joel Edgerton, really ostensibly the villain of this movie, mm -hmm. really finds levels and nuance to the character in kind of a thankless thing because he has to do all this, like, you know, the whitewashing is. Yeah, uncomfortable. But it's like, and... Yeah, but it's like, yeah, but like, it's interesting. Like, yeah, I think this is like the most this movie does a good job of adding nuance to a character that is typically a villainous you know, character. Yeah, a villainous character who's written as one note. Yeah, for the most part. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, like Christian country, for lack of a better term, Christian country, Christian, yeah. you know, the entertainment system, like catering to a Christian audience. He's a, he's a baddie. Yeah, oh, for sure. Well, Moses, I'm like, yeah. Moses is a goodie and he's a baddie in like very simplistic terms. Mm -hmm. uh, the movie does a lot with regards to their relationship in regards to hardening Moses while also softening Ramses to make it a much more interesting dynamic mm -hmm. between them. Um, so he sets them free, allowing them to leave. Mm -hmm. um, as they head toward the Red Sea, um, Ramsey's changing his mind. He's like, never mind, we're gonna kill them all. Yeah, he's PO'd. He's PO'd. They got all sorts of really cool, like chariots and stuff. They're on mountainsides running through chariots. Ooh. They get to the Red Sea. Most throws his sword all pissed off. Uh oh, light shines up, and you're like, oh, and he gets an idea. Mm. We go straight and this is again where the money is, maybe. <laughs> it parts. It looked the CG looks I thought looked 
terrific. Like I was like very oh, involved in it. It was so good. Like I will say, like the only sometimes they'll have these like big shots, like mm-hmm. sweeping shots of like in the CGI kind of does like a little like aid, but like stuff like the river, like the, the yeah. ocean, and you're seeing like that looks so and good still. Like still like on like the close ups and like when Christian Bale like wades out, like they're clearly on a real river that Christian yeah. Bale's going into, which looks great. Um, they're crossing. Ramsey's guys are coming. And then the water starts coming back in. And they are all, and they're like, a, and it leaves Ramsey's and Moses. And Moses, this is a beautiful thing to me. He's like, come with me. Yeah. Come, like he's inviting him to like, just come in peace. You're my brother. And Ramsey's like, does the Jesus Christ pose and like yeah. his full arm and they both get clobbered. Somehow everyone dies who gets clobbered by the water but them. Yeah. It is like, uh, well, and I think it's like you can tell, I think with Ramsey's that was like his last attempt at like grasping for like, maybe I'm the chosen one. Maybe like, no, like yeah, I right. should be the one. Yeah. Yeah, that like God, God looked, the gods in his case looked down fondly on me. Yeah, or they should. Yeah. But they don't. Yep, he's because um, he's Fredo. He's the Fredo. That's why. Yeah, he's yeah. Fredo. Uh, Moses and the rest of the Hebrews escape and move on. Ramses is left on the shore, just surrounded by dead bodies. Oh, man, and not it's a very very sad. And then we get a postscript where Moses comes home. He visits his son, and then a further post because he goes to visit. He goes back up the mount Mount Sinai, and mm-hmm. is told, "You're not done." Make the t- make those ten commandments, baby. And then we show him years later an elderly Moses riding with the Ark of the Covenant. Um just this is where he is. He has given himself completely to this. And Christian Bale plays it very sad. He felt plays him very like exiled almost. Yeah. And the movie closes and it left me very sad. It's like I don't know. It was like, um, and then, then of course, you're also sad because the first card that comes up is for my brother, mm-hmm. Tony Scott. And I think it's very interesting. I don't know what was going on. We'll never really know what was going on in this family's lives. Mm-hmm. Probably, probably not our, it, no, not even probably. It is not our business. Yeah, it's for the best. The, they are public people, but at the same time, I don't care. It's their personal life. Um, but there is something very interesting about the going all the way back to Prometheus. Prometheus, Counselor, and this one. This kind of idea of thinking about like life and death and the meaning of things and where you're going and looking at, and even into the Martian, the different ways in which you can choose to live. Like, do you live fully? Do you dig too deep? Do you rely on people? Are you on your own? All of these questions. And this makes Ridley Scott much more of an interesting filmmaker than I think, especially in this time period, than people give him credit for. Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially with a movie like this. Movie about brothers. About brothers on different paths, about different roads. You can see what you can see what was attractive to him in this picture. Um, For sure. Where it's like, yeah, and it is just an endlessly there is just something so fascinating like about 
Moses in this movie. The fact that like his character, I think at one point they give like the origin of Moses to Moses, how you know he's a little baby that was what and he mm-hmm. goes and the truth isn't even that good of a story. Like he, he he like shits on his own like origin story. And it's like so fascinating that this guy who the way that they interpret him is is just uh, you're never going to see it ever again. There's not going to be a character like a, a Moses that is uh, just not at all enamored. It seems totally unenamored with the um, religion. It like, feels like even, his religion he, is a yoke. Yeah, even at the end, it feels like he's cursed. Yeah, it feels like, well, yeah. and it's like, yeah, and it's like he has no, he was someone who was like a master of, who was a, clearly the master of his own world and could like, you know, he, he, he felt in control and the revelation in this movie is I'm not in control. There is a higher power and it's not even a higher power that works uh, in a way that I can uh, understand entirely. And, and it's kind of mean. <laughs> it's and cruel. It's, a cruel higher power. Cruel, yeah. Um, so um, Ridley Scott uh, in 2013 stated he was an atheist. We also read another book that said he was an agnostic. I don't know. Choose your own adventure when it comes to that. Like mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not one to decipher between the two. But like people's <laughs> yeah. opinions on him. Uh, in September 2014, though, um, he was asked by the BBC if he believed in God, and he replied, "I'm not sure. I think there's all kinds of questions raised. There's such an that's such an exotic question. If you looked at the whole thing practically speaking, the Big Bang occurred. Then we go through this evolution of millions and billions of years, where by coincidence all the right biological accidents came out the right way. To an extent, that doesn't make sense unless there was a controlling decider or mediator and all of that. So who was that, or what was that? Are we one big grand experiment in the basic overall blink of the universe or the galaxy? In which case, who is behind it? Well. I think he's grappling with these last four movies. <laughs> he, so here's my he's so I'd say Darren Aronofsky, he is a glass half full agnostic and Ridley Scott's a glass half empty agnostic. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. So Exodus Gods and Kings was released December 12th, 2014, just in time for Christmas. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> They they really had a different thought process on this movie. Uh, yeah, um, I feel like uh, I, I had a feeling. Uh, what was it Fox? You said was the, I had a yeah. feeling they were not too pleased with. Uh, banned in Egypt, banned in Morocco. Ooh, well, cool. <laughs> difficulties in the UAE. You name it. Um, yeah. It grossed sixty-five million in the U.S. and Canada, and two hundred three million in other territories for a worldwide total of 268.2 million. Unfortunately, when your budget is 200 million and this is a massive thing, that is just not good enough for the most yeah. part. And I mean, obviously this is like weirdly for such a big movie, relatively forgotten picture in the Scott Canon. Um yeah. received generally negative reviews too. Uh, uh, also it's so funny that like, you know, Scott brought up the whole the cast like you have to have big names and mm-hmm. really like the only big name is Christian Bale. Is Christian Bale? And, yeah, cause, and even he's not a number one guy. Yeah, he's not yeah. super like, and I feel like yeah, his he's um yeah. There's no like maybe 
Although I don't know if you if you put like a Brad Pitt or a George Clooney in this movie if it gets any. I know. You know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to. Yeah. Peak, peak. But I mean, Gladiator was special. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, they said you know, it was a tough one because the whitewashing plus just general Bible stuff freaks out the liberal side of things. Mm-hmm. But then the creative loosey goosiness with the Bible, yeah, and really Scott being very open about his own atheism in interviews doesn't help your cause on the right wing con- conservative side of things. So you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Uh, has a thirty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. The critical consensus. While sporadically oh. stirring and suitably epic in its ambitions, Exodus Gods and Kings can't quite live up to its classic source material. Source material, folks. <laughs> uh, it's all co- everything's content now. Content, man. folks. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah. It's um, audience didn't really love it. Reviewers didn't really love it. Uh, you know, it's not Gladiator. It's not the Ten Commandments. Uh, I think it's much better than people give it credit for. The issues that Patrick and I brought up are there, mm-hmm. but that does not necessarily mean it's just a total wash to me. Yeah, and I and I will add too that if you're like us, if you're you know listening to us, you're a Scott Scott scholar. This is like a really interesting. Just trying to figure out like the headspace. Mm-hmm. And trying to determine, like, what is this guy's religious beliefs? How does he, like, it? it's just fast. It's trying to, like, figuring out, like, the, kind of, like, the worldview that is being put in front of you on the screen is just, because there's, there's no movie, I guarantee you this is, like, a one-of-a-kind film, you know, in term when it comes to this subject matter. I don't think any other, like, film is, like, as reflexively self-critical of its own content is is this one. Yeah. And I think in the same vein, like all of his, or a great deal of his, I would say gladiator might be an outlier. Um, maybe not though. You, you can let me know. All of his historical films are playing on both sides of the field. Basically mm. they are rousing, and trying to be like show it off and be as realistic as possible, but also they're actively being skeptical and looking at things from a modern view viewpoint. Yeah, and, and generally they're all about like um a blind faith in a lot of ways that I don't think Ridley Scott understands. In a lot of them, like even going back, like Harvey Keitel is a zealot. In the duelists, mm-hmm. for the Gerard, Gerard, Gerard de Perdue Perdue is a zealot. Is a zealot in 1492. Yeah, um, Gladiator, not so much, but even like going into like Kingdom of Heaven or Robin Hood at the people around. They're I... not zealots necessarily, mm-hmm. Robin Hood or Bellion, but they are surrounded by ones that they are actively like combating. Mm-hmm. In those cases. Well, I think like even like, like. If Maximus isn't necessarily a zealot, like I think he's zealous, zealous in his uh, uh, goals, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which is getting uh, revenge, justice, and revenge. Yeah, and he becomes a god. Yeah, in doing so. 
he gets to go to you know whatever the Roman equivalent of Valhalla is yeah, or whatever totally, at the end of it. Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I think like you know one thing we've Patrick and I have been kind of discussing on the sidelines with Scott Scott is like the historical films being kind of his his kind of like key to his soul, key to him, his yeah. personality. Yeah. Like like a matchstick man or the next one we're doing, I don't necessarily think are like this hitting him in the same level. Yeah, I don't even think like Thelma and Louise. No. Yeah, like he is such a it's so weird that he I think like something that would be deeply impersonal to so many other filmmakers is like for whatever reason deeply uh personal for Ridley. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. And then maybe and, it's because he like yeah he enjoys the craft so much. I don't know. And he's not done and we're not done with the historical ones because we still have the last duel to come. Mm. and then napoleon and gladiator 2 someday even um i can now wait for g2 the one thing i wanted to add to um that i would put in with his historical movies black hawk down i think actually counts with the historical movies too i have a now here's another when you consider the duelists yeah is that yeah i think it's yeah yeah. the duelist yeah absolutely i put the duelist with it yeah because it's like it's yeah yeah i think you'd be looking at for the historicals Duelists, fourteen ninety two, Gladiator, Black Hawk Down, Kingdom of Heaven, Robin Hood, Exodus, Gods and Kings, The Last Duel, and Napoleon, of yeah. his current batch of movies. Although, like last, have you have you seen Last Duel yet? I no, I've saved. I've been saving it for like a year for this oh, show. God, <laughs> man, I can't. Yeah, it's gonna be because I feel like Last Duel is such a. Um, I feel like it holds more in. Uh, it holds more in um, it. It's more similar to the Duelist than any of his other mm-hmm. historic films. It's such a. It feels like, in its own way, it feels kind of smaller in scope. Just because I think it's just because you're dealing with like you know a couple of like you yeah. know people as opposed to like these like grand scale things. Well, I'm absolutely looking forward to it. We'll be covering it in yeah. nar- nary a few weeks, maybe I'm a month excited. or something. Yeah. Um, should note on this one because we got to um darius wolski was a cinematographer oh yeah billy rich edited the film music was by alberto iglesias who did i liked his score yeah Um, very good and written by four screenwriters adam cooper and bill bill college or collage who were the were the who started the script and then jeffrey kane and steve zalian of american gangster and the irishman Came in to um, touch it up and build on characters and wow. do all that, you know. Yeah, you it's know, so funny. You know, Bill, Bill, uh, we're talking about Bob Odenkirk. Bill Collage totally sounds like a Mr. Show character. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Collage here. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, but Ridley had already mentally moved on that he was already considering his alien sequel. which uh, of course became alien covenant uh immediately after exodus gods and kings but around that time an interesting kind of pop cultural phenomenon occurred in which uh a computer programmer named andy weir for for shits and gigs really asked himself a question a very nerdy question what are the nuts? What are the nuts and bolts mm. of surviving on Mars? 
how how epic would you have to be at science? Pretty <laughs> epic. And so he, for big, like I said, for shits and gigs, wrote a novel and released it for free. Except it was ninety nine cents, self published novel when it first came out on Kindle on your oh, Kindle, man, because uh... it had to have some sort of cost. You couldn't do it mm-hmm. for free. Called the Martian. Uh, somehow via word of mouth, this novel explodes, mm-hmm. and everybody was reading it. Everybody was loving it. They loved it. Yeah, it was fun time, and the science felt rather um, logical. Yeah, like it feels like I haven't I haven't read that book, but it kind of feels like it's like um, if I were to like do the you know, elevator pitch for it. I bet it's like, you know, Kim Stanley Robinson meets Stephen King or something. Yeah. Not like, you know, not the horror element of Stephen King, but, or maybe Michael Crichton. That's like a better one. Just someone, it's like, a, it's like a pop Kim Stanley Robinson, mm-hmm. like, you know, hard well, science, but like, but a with more like accessible. a little more like pop cultural references and yeah, like some like, like lighter touch. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, I feel like Garfield right now. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's a pretty simple story. It's about a um, NASA team that is on Mars who have to evacuate quickly, and one of the astronauts, Mark Watley, is um, thought to be killed in the quick evacuation from a storm. They leave Mars, and what we discover, and what the readers discover, and what the world soon discovers is that Mark Watley is still alive. He's kicking. He is on Mars, alive, and he has to figure out a way because of the time frame of Getting back for any level of a rescue mission mm-hmm. is not an immediate thing whatsoever. So he has to figure out how to survive on Mars while everyone else literally across the universe is trying to figure out a way to save him and bring him home. Mm-hmm. Very, like, straightforward. Oh, yeah. That's Very a fun, like good a, idea like for a, a book. Yeah. Great idea for a book. Great idea for a movie. Yeah. Um, and everyone agreed. So basically, this like within a week's time frame, the book sells to a major publisher and becomes a regular like published book. You can buy Barnes and Noble. Andy Weir gets himself a bunch of agents, Ooh. and Andy Weir sells the book to 20th Century Fox. Mm. The the base and they send the book over to Ridley Scott, who is like, this seems he wanted to make a Mars movie, like. <laughs> anyway, naturally, of course he does, and he really digs it. Uh, set up to adapt. Uh, it's uh, Simon Kinberg, who I once played cards with, Patrick. Well, no way. Yeah, really? We'll the guy yeah. who... Oh, God. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it off the air. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, I want to I pick your brain, but, but later. He, um, he, he brought it over to Ridley, who really liked it, and then he also brought in a screenwriter by the name of Drew Goddard to adapt the book drew goddard is a veteran of the jj abrams josh whedon oh yeah tv world wrote for buffy Buffy the vampire slayer angel alias law mr cabin in the woods also yes on top of that um has directed two movies that i like quite a bit Kevin yeah. Woods and uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. Um, he's, you know, one of those guys. I, you know, 
the groovy thing about him is that he has had no charges of being a bully. <laughs> yeah. He seems like I saw him do a Q&A at Bad Times at El Royale and he seemed like a hardworking nerd, you know, doing his I, thing. I, I like it. Like he seems like a He's Houston Houston guy too. Oh, uh, out of Houston. Yeah. Oh, my God. I also like the fact that he went to University of Colorado Boulder, not an Ivy. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, player. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, that's a good show. That 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 school. Yeah. I remember uh, being uh, my friend had a friend who was going to that school, and he was like, he would like an economics class on his computer. He'd just show me vi- YouTube videos of like four twenty, and like mm-hmm. the big clouds of smoke, and he's like, yeah, that's gonna be me. I'm gonna be there. <laughs> but he uh, had it. He had it in mind to mm-hmm. um, direct it as well, like deep in his Bro, pocket. He wanted to he- direct it too. Ah, uh, man. Could have been interesting. I think he, he could do it. He ended up leaving the project mm. to direct some sort of Mar- Marvel movie called Sinister Six that ended up being canceled. Oh! The... oh so that, yeah. was, that was the uh, Sony... That was like an extension of the Andrew Garfield... Oh, uh, okay. Sp- and then that imploded and so that probably put a kibosh on whatever he wanted to do (laughs) so in the meantime ridley scott signs on to direct it based on kind of the shell of his script in the book and matt damon snatches up the lead role of mark Mm -hmm. watley sinister six is canceled this like leaves drew goddard to say i will come back and complete the martian screenplay Mm -hmm. because working with ridley and all that kind of stuff is a neat thing so, um, the cool thing about this movie for any leading actor is that basic you are the star yeah. of this movie. There is no way around it. You are alone on Mars. Yep. You better be a damn star. We are not, you know. Yeah. And yeah, this luckily like Matt Damon brings it in spades. This oh, is yeah. uh, you know, this proves once again He's one of the very best at being a movie star. <laughs> he's got wattage. He's got wattage. Yeah, he's got, and he's likable, and he's the perfect movie star here too because you believe him mm. as this guy in this situation. He's hunky, but not too hunky. He's smart, but not intensely, like intimidatingly smart. You know, he's funny, but he's not like a joke smith. Like, yeah. You know, he's he, like a, he he captures the every guy. Yeah, he is a normal man. Yeah, without a wife, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is important. <laughs> the film film was shot in like the same deserts as Lawrence of Arabia oh, for the really Mars cool. sequences, which is really interesting. Um, all star cast. So I'm on the ship that leaves. Mark Watney behind. That's captained by Commander Melissa Lewis, who is Jessica Chastain. Mm-hmm. Um, other members of the crew is Michael Pena, Kate Mara, Sebastian Stan, Axel Henney. Uh, is that the entire crew? I think that is. Yeah, that yeah. is the entirety, yeah. And then on Earth, we have the administ- the head administrator of NASA is Teddy Sanders, played by Jeff Daniels. Ooh, classic uh, Jeff role. Classic Jeff Daniels role, you know, yeah. authority man. <laughs> yeah. And they have a whole bunch of groovy people running around NASA. There's um, <laughs> Sean Bean is Mitch Henderson, the flight director who's loyal to his astronauts, to a, maybe to a fault. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Chiwetel Ejiofor is Vincent Kapoor, director of Mars Missions. Um, Kristen Wiig is Annie Montrose, director of Media Relations. Did you catch our dude um, who plays Nate on uh, Ted Lasso? Yes, I was like, <laughs> Nate! We got a Nate sighting! <laughs> he's in this. <laughs> Nick Muhammad, I believe his name is. Yes, he's a great actor. Yeah. He's a lot of... He also... Uh, I think he also plays like Piglet in the uh, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, which is so weird. What a, what, a, what an eclectic uh, <laughs> career yeah. that guy has had. Uh, Mackenzie Davis is Mindy Park, satellite planner. Uh, over at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which I drove past the other day in Pasadena, which I was like, oh, that's where they were when they were doing that stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, Benedict Wong is there, as is oh. Donald Glover in a very intriguing role it's very i love he's very uh derek comedy and it's very like funny how he's doing like, stuff it, he's trying some things yeah, yeah. and half the time it doesn't work but then the times like i do love the moment he puts like the drink and the um the trash can with like mm-hmm. the and just all the 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 liquid comes out on the side he you know it's one of those trash cans it's like a grate or whatever and that's funny mm-hmm. i don't know yeah he's like so smart but he has no other skills in yeah. life whatsoever. Classic, classic archetype. Classic, classic archetype. You know the type. You love him. Yeah. Yeah. And basically <laughs> all of these people come together in different ways mm-hmm. to save Mark yeah. as he is working to save himself. And I tell you this, Patrick, I'd seen this movie a couple times before. Mm-hmm. Um, I get it. It's kind of cheesy. It definitely yeah. is a neoliberal fantasy, and most of the like banter sucks. Mm-hmm. That does not mean this is not a rousing movie ass movie adventure picture, it's, which it's, it totally is. I will say, I will say, when I saw this movie in theaters, I like really liked it. Like when it came out, um, there's something cool about it. It feels like a type of movie. It felt like um, a revival of a type of movie. Even though it's like based on like a property, I guess it still kind of felt like a um, just like the fact that it wasn't like attached to like some grander universe, and it was just like no. this thing that was supposed to be like stand on its own. It feels like like it felt like it feels like the last movie made that would play on FX or TNT regularly. You know what it's I mean? A, it's it, a real it, it has a real innocence to it, which yeah makes you feel good in tough days. Some days you need the counselor. And some mm-hmm. days you need the Martian. It just so happened the day we watched the Martian. I needed the Martian quite bad. Which is good. And, and that's a beautiful thing about movies. Mm-hmm. Is that some people think that like, oh, it's set in stone. That's this one thing. Movies warp. Movies adjust. Time. Yeah. And, and I'm not just saying in like a culture, like broader cultural sense. I'm saying to you as a person, you see them differently when you watch them each time out. And we've been going through some tough stuff in our household. And when I watched this, mm-hmm. I felt hope. I was like, yeah. that's neat. That's neat. I feel good. Yeah. I, I was going to say, too, like, it's so funny because I think we had different viewing experiences. I told I, I watched Sicario right before watching them, which is the worst. <laughs> don't don't watch Sicario. It does not put you in the right mindset for a Martian. Yeah, <laughs> it, it puts you in. So like, uh, but if I'm like stepping back from how I felt watching The Martian and kind of looking at it from a more uh, nuanced, 
trying to maybe objective i don't know if objective is the right term but like i think like there needs to be stuff like this in the world because like i do want a world where like we all work together to solve a problem like that's nice that's a nice it's and, nice and, and it's there nice are, and there are times where i want when i watch you know stuff like and i want that like there are times where i want to watch especially since now it feels impossible to even there is something set. It feels like uh, like it feels so impossible to make a movie like this, like a movie well, that implies that, like, you know, different space stations will team up together. All that plus the the sheer sincerity yes. of this movie. There's nothing ironic. There's nothing meta. There's nothing, um, you know, nudging the audience like, I, you know, there's no it's a movie. It's yeah, all like, within the confines of the movie. It doesn't like. Can you believe we did that? You know, none of yeah. that shit. It, it, it feels actually kind of like the last gasp of like. There's something very like, yeah, that the last gasp of like 90s innocence. Yeah. Like it well, has like. Our also kind of, yeah. Riding on a movie star and a major director to get yeah. it over the line. It's not, yeah. reli- you know, they're using the old school methods of what got asses in seats. And that is like that is like yeah, which is like not it's done now. Like well, and it's like you think I was trying to think in my head: is there anything comparable to The Martian made since then? Well, the only movie that comes up is Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, it's the only movie that crosses my head in terms of like a you know completely sincere, pure movie. Yeah, but then like you know, I was thinking about like stuff that's like you know, oh, world teaming up to help each other, and the closest thing I can think of is Don't Look Up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's where we're at mentally now, I think, which is well, the problem. yeah, and Adam McKay would have left Matt Damon floating in space. Oh, yeah. Matt, well, Matt Damon explodes, like, 20 minutes, and he dies in the hydrogen. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, like, I, I love, like, the beats of this movie. I love, like, Every mm-hmm. challenge that's put in front of him gets harder. It's like, like the, it all has this nice thing. And then at the end, when he does have to like go up into space with absolutely no shield, yeah, in front of him, it is exciting. And when he finally sits down and he like cries in the chair, I was watching my mom, and my mom goes, "Oh, he's crying." And that almost made me cry to hear my mom say that. <laughs> like, yeah, well, well, and it's nice. Like you're rooting for him. You're yeah. rooting for him. You want him to make it. Yeah, well, and it's nice seeing, like, a guy, like, it's so funny, because I watched this, and I think it was just because I had that that post-Sicario haze. I was like, this guy should be glowering more, and, like, <laughs> and, and, like, he should be, like, like, in, like, waging around in his own sorrow, and, like, I kind of like that, like, like, fuck that, that sucks, that's not a good, like, that's not a fun... Like that's an interesting movie, but that's a different movie. This movie has goal. Like the goal well, of this movie is uplift. Well, th- because this is also the last stand of like American cowboy optimism yeah. in this area too. Because he is like, quote unquote, the like all American cowboy type guy. I'll get this yeah. done. I'll do this on my own. You know. Yeah, old Tommy Cornbread. Yeah, yeah. like he's <laughs> he's just very yeah. But it's like uh, yeah, and it's um. I actually do kind of wish, though, there is like a part of me, like my favorite moments in the movie are those movies where he breaks down and you see the emotion, like the mm-hmm. parts where he gets. And I do wish there was if there was like just a little bit like five minutes more of that, like mm-hmm. him, like kind of dealing with like 
Like, fuck, I am in space all alone. Uh, although, I don't know if it would be the same movie. Maybe, maybe well, that's think, the issue. I think the thing that there is one thing that's missing that I think would have helped that, and I brought up a moment ago, is that he has no specific loved one back so... home that he's thinking about, which is really odd. It is, yeah. The human connection, because like, if you think about another comparable movie, Castaway, which was mm -hmm. an inspiration for this, he has like Helen Hunt back home, but he, what Castaway does, which is so interesting, is like, this develops like, you need human connection. Yeah. So much so that he turns the inanimate object into a companion. I was thinking about that too. It is, see, that's the thing, is like, I think there is, this movie would ring a little truer. It doesn't see the. I get, maybe they're afraid of just aping Castaway, and I'm not yeah. saying. And I don't need because here's the thing. He does have a inanimate companion of sorts in the form of the texts and stuff he gets from NASA. Like he has like these communication lines. Well, um, here's something very selfish and very internet. His companion is his video blog. It's himself. Hmm. It is, this is like, see, this movie kind of posits that maybe you'll be, you can survive as like a, it's like about like the, it's like the modern condition. It's like, we're all these, we're all atomized. We're all like fucking stuck on our computers. Well, and this movie is like, you can, they can live you, this way. Yeah, also remind me of a song in the movie. It's not called We Will Survive. The song is called I Will Survive. Hmm. And then to get to another point we were talking about is like after the heartbreak that really Scott has felt with his, not only his like beloved little brother, mm -hmm. also his business partner at Scott Free. Ooh. Is this like him saying, I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. I can make movies the yeah. same way I've always made them. I know what I'm doing. I have the skills. I'm going to size the shit out of this. All I need is the simulacrum of reality. Yeah. Although I think Matt Damon could have had a robot friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Robot butler. Have a little, have oh, a little guy. And then the robot butler. Oh, here it is. Weighs too fucking much for the thing <laughs> that gets shot up at the end and they have to leave it on Mars. And it's uh, a cry moment. We all cry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's, see, that's the thing is like, there is no like robot butler because here, like in Interstellar, yeah, a movie robot butlers in that. There's that. There's that is like another weird thing about this movie is it's so. In addition to like the the anodyne nature of any sense of sensuality in this film, like yeah. truly, it's so wild that like Exodus and Gods of Kings is more like there is yeah, more Moses gets laid. Yeah, like sex is part of that world more than the Martian in any capacity. Not that it needs mm -hmm. to, you know, be a Not focus or anything. Yeah, but like, you know, but like, um, it's so just... So they're cutting like... at the end, though, to NASA, to Times Square, to all the people who are watching on TV. Tony would have done it. He would have had a, a wife mm -hmm. and a little son mm -hmm. or a little daughter yeah. watching on TV like Oh my god, you know, is he gonna make it? Because it's already so exciting, and I don't feel that's hat on hat to cut to them too. It actually makes it even greater. Yeah. Because it is fucking thrilling. 
when he finally like launches up into space and his crew has turned around and the hats off to you Drew Goddard of course Jessica Chastain has to be the one to jump out mm -hmm. of the spaceship to catch him oh, she that was part's... the one who made the call to let him go yeah that part's so, great that, I yeah. love that yeah that part it's incredible yeah and it doesn't yeah it's so funny yeah there, it needs like yeah maybe this movie needed a bit more of that Liv Tyler in the computer room even yeah. Kate, even Kate Beckinsale, and then you know, like I mean, yeah, you know, the... Kate, give her more of a character, give her more of a character than either of them, obviously, but yeah. some sort of like we don't know Mark Watney beyond his skills, yeah, or even have his fucking parents be in that room, or like he a brother he, or a he sister. Yeah, he mentioned he had parents or something. Yeah, but, he, well, know, he had to. He doesn't. He didn't just spray, yeah, sprout out of the ground like. No, uh, like he come was, on, movie. He drank the um, his the black goop. Oh from no, Prometheus. Sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, Watney. Watney, but it is so interesting too that like, and shows of how intelligent of a filmmaker he is. Three years later, Nolan releases Interstellar and casts Matt Damon as a castaway astronaut. <laughs> In a decidedly different fashion. Ah, oh, so good. The best <laughs> part, like I, in my opinion, an Oscar-worthy performance yeah. in that movie. It's so He's good. Really good. He's really, really good. And you're that's an excellent call. But um, you know, the darker side of what could happen. You know, they don't play. I think you could play with that, like the emotions he would feel on a day-to-day -day basis, like you know, yeah, in that heavy of an emotional situation, being alone. Well, I think like I think that, that for is, as long yeah. as it is. I, I yeah, I think it's just it wasn't that it's it's so funny, like I feel like um they had an idea of what this movie was going to be from the get go, mm -hmm. and they kinda just wanted to make the purest version. And I think and I think I think Ridley was like I'm not gonna fuck around. I'm not yeah. gonna do anything weird with this. We're gonna make a do a science based heroic mm -hmm. survival adventure picture. That's yeah. it. And like, yeah, we don't need like a seven hour cut of going nope. into the esoterica of all the various characters and whatnot. Like it, it is. Yeah, it's not like, yeah, he's he was not making a panoply here. This is a very meat and potatoes sort of thing, which and like, I, everyone, I everyone on the ground. There's no like Jeff Daniels might even come the closest, but he isn't really. There's no mean bureaucrat who's trying to kill Mark or yeah. anything like that. They're all on board yeah. with getting Mark back. Like, like, like the Chinese and American yeah. space state, they're all simpatico. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it is like, it's a, it is like a world that you wish we lived in. Like, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. And it also, it's so kind of like this huge thing. They're spending billions of dollars. They're using all of their secret gear. They're mm. putting their lives on the line in some stakes. And it's all for one regular guy yeah it isn't to save the world from an asteroid to save everyone or it's yeah. to save one guy it's yeah. a it's rather small all things considered in the mm -hmm. grand scheme of things like they probably could have let him die but yeah it is a beautiful kind of poetic thing about the human spirit and connection and companionship and all the things we we're kind of our can-do-it-ness, our, can our gumption. The gumption, yeah. And so it's very difficult not to get kind of caught up in the movie. Yeah. it's Regardless it's like, of its manipulations or its kind of dorkiness. 
it's like in, a better term. It, you know what? Like dorkiness is fun. Like, because here's the thing: like, there are dorks are real. Like, it's like they're real characters, and it's real impulses. And I'm a huge dork. Like, it 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 comes from a yeah, it comes from like a an. I, I think, it feels like it comes from an honest place in this movie, at the very least. I think so. Well, a sincere. They're yeah. Not trying, they're, they're and they're not a bunch of dorks trying to prove how cool they are. Like an Elon mm. Musk type or something like that. God, yeah, <laughs> like, it's not like um, yeah, it's. I feel like yeah, when people, when like Matt Damon references Iron Man, it's a little eye rolly, but it's not like it comes from like it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's. It doesn't feel like a Ryan Reynolds like no. vain attempt at like a stupid bit. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think you know Matt Damon used by him delivering. Lines, yeah. <laughs> I buy, think he just, he just. I mean, we were talking about with air. It's like you just kind of buy him. He, 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 you know what? He comes off as like a um, a guy who like works in like, like, like some sort of mechanical field, like in some sort of sciency field, who mm. is like just like a normal man, who like you know like. His main focus is probably his profession, and then like what he uh, likes is whatever's on TV, which is like Iron Man stuff. Like it's yeah. real; it comes up as a real. It's like a real and, character. <laughs> and this is like, so we've gotten in this place in movies where everyone is extraordinary. They're all superheroes. They all got powers. They're all models. They're all jacked. They're all wizards. Yeah. And I think one of the greatest things. Like you can watch in a movie or a show, is to see a normal, quote unquote, normal person thrown mm-hmm. into an extraordinary circumstance, and see how they react. Yeah, and it could be a different kind of movie. He could react very poorly. That would be like he could react like MacGruber. It would be very funny, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, but that's more relatable. I don't know who relates to like. I'm Iron Man or I'm Captain America or something or I'm you know Star Wars <laughs> that's mm-hmm. not a character <laughs> but you know what I mean yeah like I don't know like I guess to me it's like it's more relatable it's like what would you like that's like the entire one of the compelling things about this movie it's like what would you do you're immediately put in those shoes like I would so I would die yeah no I'm but, dead I'm like yeah. <laughs> but it's like neat to think about well, yeah, he well, he has like, you know, what? it's kind of like the Jackie Chan thing where because there is like a like almost like a, I feel like there's like a fa- there's like a little bit of a fallibility. Like it's not entirely like, you know, there is like even yeah. though it's an extra an extraordinary person doing extraordinary things, there Jackie, is still Jackie, a level. Jackie will run away from a fight. Yes, exactly. Like you, watch, you watch a Bruce Lee movie. He's like so. You're, I'm not Bruce Lee. Nobody's Bruce Lee. Yeah. I don't. Ca- I can't relate. But at the same time, I like watching this. Ex- like it's like watching like LeBron James. Yeah, or Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. like it's like it's like wow, it's so cool. Like what you do. I like. I love your movies because you're cool and you're neat. You're so much cooler than I'll ever be. Yeah, and weirdly fit in a way that I will never be that weirdly fit. <laughs> yeah, Jackie. Yeah, that's why Jackie's so like timeless. Because you're just like he runs away, he falls, he trips. 
he uses like slapstick to fight people got fight people off like he's funny you know like all of these elements make he makes, him yeah relatable he's he makes the extraordinary ordinary yeah and accessible and that's what like the magic of matt damon's performance doing this is he's taking a character who is like you know you gotta be a genius to be doing, a botanist yeah, on mars yeah doing extraordinary things too but he brings like, he's going also above a, and beyond in yeah. all these solutions but but he also makes him an accessible goofball that likes to listen to disco or whatever yeah. or begrudgingly listens to it I begrudgingly guess. listens to disco <laughs> and all of that to me it's like Okay, so it's not based on like it's based on a big hit book, but it's not based on like, you know, fifty year old IP or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if I'm like a studio executive and this crosses the table with this team and everything like that, mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, green light it. <laughs> Sounds like oh, a winner. Oh, for sure. So it's that's, like, a, that's a winner. Yeah, I am like a. It's just yeah. There needs to be more. There should be more films like this it's kind of a bummer that this is like we have a hundred percent we need to go back we need to return we need to go to let's get some some oh, meat and know, potatoes i screwed up uh, martian came out after interstellar so it's a flip <laughs> <laughs> screwed up sorry folks um but it's because the martian's coming off of a very similar movie gravity a couple years before yes with George Clooney kind of doing a similar thing, he mm -hmm. being a uh, like an accessible, recognizable face. But also, like the beauty of that is that you do not expect him. You yeah, expect him, you expect him to make it, and thus leaving Sandra alone makes it harder for her, makes it yep. scarier for her. Yeah, and, he, and he's the experienced astronaut too. Yep, and she's you know? yeah. Man, that movie's so good. Excellent film. All yeah. three of them. Gravity, Interstellar, Martian. Yeah. All worth all worthwhile films. It's a trilogy. Watch them all. Yeah, it's a trilogy, folks. Yeah. So, um Martian premiered 2015 Toronto International Film Festival on September 11th of 2015. Also played the New York Film Festival and Fantastic Fest until it was finally released in theaters on um October 2nd of 2015. Mm. The final budget was 108 million, which is actually oh, wow. interesting. It's it was um and Ridley did complain about it saying that he actually didn't feel he had enough money despite the fact that it looks great. Still yeah. looks like a beautiful film. Yeah. Oh man, uh, all the all the space like see like all the sequences of like the ship going through space are so gorgeous. Mhm. Mm um there were um there were thoughts ahead of time that it was going to be a success. It it, it it was tracking quite well. Like we said, there were some other movies, similar movies that done well. Um, they did not anticipate, though, that it would be the smash success that it became. It grossed $228.4 in the United States and Canada and $402.2 in other countries for a worldwide total of six hundred thirty point six million on a budget of a hundred eight. Wow, that's a hit. That's exactly what you want at the studio level. You don't need a billion, man. If you just like are cost efficient and tell good stories, people people come out. Yeah, and it's like you know, you know, fifty to a hundred million. That's still a 
a boatload of money if you're like just cost conscious and you don't like you know there's ways to make it work folks um it to this day i believe i will double check this but um to this day it is the highest grossing film ridley scott has ever made oh wow yeah uh and one of matt damon's (laughs) highest grossing films as well and in general it was a movie if you were walking around in 2015 talking to friends movie heads and so forth pretty much everybody liked everyone was in pretty high agreement Mm -hmm. nice movie yeah good time Uh, in the theater good time 91 percent on rotten tomatoes wow smart thrilling surprisingly funny the martian offers a faithful adaptation of the best-selling book that brings out the best in leading man matt damon and director ridley scott an a cinema score too like the audiences loved it um praise all around variety said it was a return to form for ridley scott after the counselor next to the scots and kings fell flat they're wrong they're counselor in particular did not feel flat no <laughs> like these but, are not like yeah like even yeah, yeah. <laughs> um the counselor was nominated so this was the beginning of the it's ridley scott's time mm. uh narrative in the award that award that jungle it is the award season he won the golden globe for best director Oh, no, he was nominated. He was nominated, but yes. So the Golden Globes, this is what pisses Jen off. She's not home right now, so she can't guest on the show. But um, to this day, she is angry due to classical Golden Globes playing with categories. The Martian won Best Picture Musical or Comedy at the Golden Globes, which Ridley Scott accepted. That is insane. This is not a comedy. It's funny moments. Matt Damon won Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy for The Martian at the Golden Globes. Oh, it's like it's this is like a comedy in the way like Goodfellas is a comedy where like it's like the yeah, jokes are in it. Yeah, I would almost argue Goodfellas is more of a comedy than this. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because like, there's like a a lot of jokes in that, like a yeah, lot yeah, of funny jokes. Yeah. Of funny, yeah, Goodfellas is really fucking funny. Yeah. Um, but the narrative was on that it was his time. Um to shine mm-hmm. so um boy call out the snubs and flubs committee mm. the martian the morning of the academy award nominations is nominated for an astounding seven academy awards oh wow best visual effects best sound mixing Best set, uh, sound editing, best production design, best adapted screenplay for Drew Goddard, best actor for Matt Damon, and best picture. What didn't you hear? Best director. Ridley Scott was snubbed that year. Ooh, who was who was nominated okay, that year? So here we go. I thought I'm glad you asked, Patrick. Tom McCarthy, Spotlight. Okay. Lenny Abramson. Room. Oh, yeah. That was... I remember that. George Miller. Mad Max Fury Road. No argument here. He he would remain in our nominees. He would have won, too. If I... I would have voted for him. Uh, Adam McKay. The Big Short. Probably still remains in the group. And, of course, our beloved friend and winner, Alejandro G. Inaritu. 
The Revenant. Ooh. Maybe. Most directing, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of directing in that film, of... for sure. You can't... Did some directing in that picture. I mean, I like that movie. I do like that movie a lot. I think that... Um... Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. Yeah, uh, I see. It's uh, very like performative, though. I get, yeah. Also snubbed that year, um, Steven Spielberg, Bridge of Spies was not oh. nominated. Danny Boyle, oh. Steve Jobs, not nominated. Ryan Coogler, mm-hmm. Creed, not nominated. And Quentin Tarantino, The Hateful Eight, not nominated. Oh, and probably the biggest snub and flub of them all, Todd Haynes, Carol. Ooh, yeah. Probably Here, oh. you, you would want that in there, too. Here, I will. This is my hot take, my hot movie take of the, the moment. Uh, I would put John Crowley for Brooklyn. That mm. movie is kind of like The Martian in the sense that it is a pleasant throwback to a movie that is no longer made anymore. <laughs> it's very rarely made anymore. <laughs> yeah, I got, just a good, solid, like, but, you know, uh, like general, a romance. Yeah. A lot of, lot of uh, nice Hollywood material. In yeah. the year what of that year, also uh, Son of Saul came out that year. The Hungarian oh. movie. If, if you want to go, man, you want to go Bleak Week. Oh, it's, <laughs> what's uh, what's interesting? Yeah, Bleak Week. Um, I think the guy who's the lead of Son of Saul is gonna be playing Jesus, uh, Jesus. and Terry yeah. and Terry Malick's. <laughs> There's one for you. Dar- go full Terry. circle, Terry. <laughs> Terry, uh, baby. Oh, Sicario <laughs> came out that year. Oh yeah! Oh man! Yeah. Hey, good, good bleak. I had way more time fun watching it this time. Or not fun. Fun's the wrong term. Um, (laughs) the Martian won none of those Academy. Mm. There was not, and I think um, probably its heat that it had was diminished because Ridley Scott was not nominated. Big snub, Ridley to this day, not an Academy Award winner. Maybe that changes this year. Who's to say? Maybe Napoleon's great. The Killers of Fun was pretty fucking good, though. <laughs> yeah, I think it's that's tough, man. The movie wars this year are gonna movie be. Wars. They're happening. And um, you know, Oppenheimer sits as a um Ooh. looming looming movie. Yeah, you can ask me. I love, as, I love... Two, as two men who are currently ticket holders to Oppenheimer. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> we're seeing that movie. Pretty soon, when that when that stuff, ha- I love that poster too. Of like, you know, has that bomb behind him. Yeah, it's like, oh it's man, it's, be it's, 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 it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Oh yeah, Below the line, uh, some familiar faces here. Darius Wolski was the cinematographer. Beatrice yeah. Galea returns to the mix as editor mm-hmm. and music by Henry or Harry. Gregson Williams. Oh, and I, I really did like the score on this one as well. I thought um, it was very moving. Even it was one of my. I would say it's like one of my favorite. It was like it's just like the because it's it's a bummer because you don't get to hear it. No, it's not a bummer because like I love all the disco songs. Those are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, but at the end when he's driving up to the thing, when the score really comes into play, you're like, this is really beautiful and very so- dramatic. It's soulful, especially yeah. I feel like sometimes uh, Ridley scores can kind of feel like an afterthought. And this one yeah. truly feels like a unique, interesting, memorable. Like it's something I might like listen to on like walks and stuff like yeah. that. This one had all the pieces. I'm mean, just even looking at the poster with just Matt Damon's face with the big bold words, bring him home. And you're like, you gotta... I think it's like they knew how to sell this movie how to make this movie the right people for this they sometimes it's confusing 
We just saw the casting on Exodus Gods and Kings. It's a little confusing. Yeah. For this one, they just knew. They got yeah. the right group of people. They got the right guy to adapt the book. They got the right director, the right cast. Down the line. Just... It, just wor- it works. It works. It's a it's an enjoyable movie. Watch it with your watch it with your family. Toe to tip smooth you. operators. Like it's just everything is it's a smooth machine. It's just yeah. a yeah. It's like um the opposite of how Moses felt when you had to deal with like, you know, this eight year old deity. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a it's a slick ass movie that doesn't make some people happy, but sometimes you need it. You yeah. know, you gotta take you it's a you know, sometimes you gotta have a savory snack and sometimes it's gotta be a sweet treat. Yeah, well and I yeah, I like look, like I I don't see how anyone like honestly, the idea of like having a problem with this movie, like there's like you know there's there's a you know you can be in not in the mood for it. That's totally fair. Yeah. But like, I just think you're, a, you're a grump. You're yes, a grump. Like you're it's grump. good. It's good. I like it when people, feels good. Feels good. I, they come yes. together. They they solve problems. They save the day. Don't you oh. want the world to be like that? You freaks. Like, let he no, want I, that. I, I guarantee you this. Cormac McCarthy would have gladly been out of business mm-hmm. if things were better. <laughs> but they're not. <laughs> yeah. That is if true. we're if we're living in the Martian world where everybody was working hand in hand to mm-hmm. bring one dope one dork back from Mars. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Wouldn't have Blood Meridian, but the world might have been Yeah. A healthier place. Eggs yeah, if like if like land honored honored lanyard knights if they were like yeah i would yeah. give me that world it seems yeah. happier yeah if they were honorable <laughs> and not a bunch of ben mendelsons and um uh yeah <laughs> oh, we do live in bunch a bunch of owen bremers in uh, uh, annoying exodus gods and kings yeah annoying fops and uh blowhard dopes yep that yeah. is our world with weird ponytails if um if you thought the martian was actually really uninspiring and Mm-hmm. bad mm-hmm. legitimately bad let us stinky. know about it stinky yeah. the academy academy podcast at gmail.com or on twitter at the academy we'd love to hear from you maybe you got a good argument i don't know maybe i was i, I was certainly in them it cheered me up it's it's sometimes good. that's I, all you need sometimes yeah, I, not every song has to be sad that you shouldn't yeah i should not have watched sicario before the market. it's <laughs> just such know. a bad it's just a bad way to do it it's like <laughs> and i i love this i love the sad stuff too but oh yeah felt good felt good uh next week on the show we stay in the world of scott scott with alien covenant mm. from 2017 which is available to rent on all the services it's on blu-ray uh follow com- combined with another film from 2017 Denny Villeneuve's Blade Runner 2049 we're going to be taking a look at next week in a combo episode. Double feature here. I'm excited about this. Blade Runner 2049 is on Hulu. All the services is on Blu-ray as well. I have both of them on Blu-ray. I pulled them off the shelf today. Well, who knows when I'm going to throw them on. Yeah, I get to see Danny McBride in his true HD glory. Yeah. 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 Uh the week after that, the finale <sighs> of a visionary alliance. Oh my gosh. The Simpson Bruckheimer story. Fourth of July, America the Beautiful special. We will be covering the twenty twenty two smash hit Top Gun Maverick. 
We are incredible. Hey, shout out to Don. He plans all this. <laughs> Making that work. Mwah. Mm, mwah. Perfect day for it. Before your barbecue, you can listen to us riff about <laughs> a movie that if people have do people have thoughts on this movie? <laughs> it's, like, it's it's fun. It's good. I like this one, that. This one's kind of flew under the radar. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah, this little this little this tiny little movie. Tiny little well, movie. No. Yeah, you know. Sleeper. A sleeper yeah, hit. Sleeper hit, yeah. It's kinda like Blair Witch Project. You know, yeah. kinda came out of nowhere and I just, can't uh, believe it. What wow. What a yeah. Yeah. Um also be taking a look at not officially, we've covered it before. We take I'll be rewatching the original Top Gun as well, just for background oh, yeah. going into I'm this. definitely I'm definitely plugging that bad boy in again. Um Top Gun Maverick is all over the place on the streaming services right now, probably for most of you, Amazon Prime. Mm. But also interesting things like MGM Plus. <laughs> and... <laughs> Every day you sell me a new like uh I feel like one day it's just gonna be like, you know, Clorox Plus or like it's gonna be some in company that shouldn't be have a service. We'll do a game when we have a guest again. Is it a streaming service? That'll yes. be a new that'll be a game we got it back. And um Top Gun is of course naturally on Blu-ray, 4K. Oh yeah. All, all of those things. I bought yeah. it. I have it on I'm busting that out too. Oh hell yeah. Um, Crack it open. We are getting a on the home stretch in a lot of ways. In mm-hmm. some of the earlier portions of this series. We're I think we only have four Ridley movies to go. Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson are going to be laid to rest next week or in two weeks. But have no fear. We have many other plans and series to go along to continue the ride here. Um, So many ideas. The David Fincher series continues. The Antoine Fuqua series continues. And I'll just rip the lid off of it right now. When Bruckheimer and Simpson's done, we're adding the final series to this group is the vulgar auteur the continued adventures of michael bay we're going to be taking a look at a lot more michael bay movies oh, as well yeah. and all of this will culminate in the end of the year with on the spot reviews of napoleon the equalizer three and david fincher's deeply awaited the killer Ooh. <laughs> it's gonna be good i forgot he's good. in the mix too it's yep Movies are back, folks. Movies are back. Don't let you forget it. Movies are movies the only entertainment you need. Yeah. You don't need shows. No. You don't need video games. Yeah. Drop that Nintendo Switch. Drop throw that it Nintendo in, throw Switch. it in a toilet. Throw it throw your movies. Nintendo Switch in a toilet. Movies will lead the way. Movies yes. will lead the way. So for Patrick, I'm Don. We will see you next week on the Academy Academy. Sounds good. I'm gonna just have some of these um delicious potatoes. Mm, I'm so mm. sick and tired of potatoes. I'm growing them here, though. I learned from the movie. Yeah, I'm yeah, and I'm dipping mine in Vicodin. I learned that from the movie. Janet's gonna be so mad. Like she's been out of town <laughs> for a few weeks. I like turned our bedroom into um like a greenhouse, but just for potatoes. It's 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 bad. Done. I, you shouldn't do that. It's really it's really it's really bad. Jonathan? Don't do that. Knock, knock, knock. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's your wife.
<laughs> God. Oh, bad news, we have nowhere to sleep. Good news, we have 600 potatoes. Didn't know what time it was. Yeah, that's not an awakening, folks. I leaned back on my radio. Oh, oh. Some cat was laying down some rock and roll. That is all he said. Then the loud sound it seemed to bite. Came back like a slow voice on a 